It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Custard TV podcast. It is sort of episode 400 today, although not really um, with the with the numbering of our episodes. But we'll we'll celebrate like it is episode 400. Uh, and with us today, we have got uh, two of your favourites joining us after a bit of a hiatus. Sarah Kennedy, how are you, Sarah? I'm very well, thank you. I'm had all of my summer of fun already. I've front loaded it, I think, and and now I'm back to uh, real life. But it's a pleasure to be recording with you on a weekday, mm. uh, which is unusual. Podcast fans know that we typically record on a Sunday. So for at least the next six to seven days, I'll be asking people what day it is. It feels like it's the last day of the school holidays, I think, doesn't it? It's like <laughs> you've got to get your, you know, all your stationery and your, your pee kit ready for it's like when you used to have an inset day. And you've been to have um... you brought a toy? <laughs> I've got a toy. <laughs> Toys and games. No, that's the last day of the of the school year, or at least oh. that, not the first day back. I suppose it depends mm. what school you went to. I suppose <laughs> <laughs> you've been to a uh, music festival as well, haven't you? How was that? That's right. Yeah, um, it was Download Festival. It was the hottest weekend of the year. Everyone got really badly sunburned. <laughs> there was no shade. It was badly organised. 20 minute wait for water, soft drinks sold out at shops in the arena. <laughs> Despite that, we did have a good time. It was one of those festivals where you had to evacuate the tent at 7am though because it was so hot. <laughs> so honestly, I've never been to a festival where I would have appreciated a bit of rain, but mm. this is climate change, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we got to see Metallica, Slipknot, my favourite, Ghost who are a little bit black metal, a little bit poking fun at the Catholic Church, a little bit ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a really good weekend. But it's one of those ones where you have to knuckle down and tell yourself you're going to enjoy it because it was hard work. But I've come back with an excellent trucker tan with like marks on my wrists from where the, the wristbands were. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could do a music festival anymore. I don't think I'm that hardcore. You know, that was that was when I was in my 20s. I could manage it and just like to live vicariously now through watching like you know mm. Glastonbury and Isla White and stuff on the TV so yeah the Glastonbury's coverage has been excellent this year I'm sick to death of it because it gets advertised everywhere like it's the only festival in the UK and the BBC just adore it completely 
But to be fair, their coverage is is exceptional. Realise that I am a, a camping chair, sitting on the hill kind of person these days now. Mm. No mosh pits anymore. But leave mm. that for the babies. And Dawn's here as well. Dawn, do you have anything to add about this and this conversation? <laughs> no, I don't. No, me and me and festivals are a big no. The only one I ever go to is uh, Rewind, which is a one day. Eighties. Yes. And I want to go home to a flushing toilet and my own bed. Thank you very much. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. And hopefully you didn't miss us too much last week. We uh, had a hiatus because me and Dawn both are another year older, let's just say. Yeah. <laughs> we separately had birthdays. Yes. It was like, sounded like we had a joint, joint party. I wanted, a, I wanted that to be a joint party. Can you not just build that image in the listeners' minds? <laughs> yeah. I did spend the weekend with Gary, to be fair, if that helps. Bit of a... <laughs> out of choice? <laughs> yes, out of choice. Oh. I'm so awful. Did you have a lovely time in London? We did, thank you very much. There's plenty of photos on Instagram, as Dawn knows, of uh, the Airbnb we were staying at. It actually advertised as a record player and records, and me and Gary were going through the record collection, which was all sort of very, um, like everything was in plastic sleeves, like you didn't feel like you could touch anything. But among the collections were like LP singles of both 21 seconds by the So Solid crew and Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men. <laughs> Live your best life, record collector. You you listen to whatever you want. <laughs> Every record collection needs those two singles, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting uh, place because there was a lot of like odd artwork as well. It felt very homely. So yeah, we had a very good time. Thank you very much. But this week we will be talking about a uh, new BBC drama, Champion Hijack on Apple TV Plus, uh, Jade Adams' Ruby Speaking on ITVX, and I Am a Virgo, which is a new comedy drama on uh, Prime Video. Uh, but first, we are doing our regular What We Are Watching. Um, I will start because I haven't really watched anything this week. <laughs> Media consumed this week includes Bob Mortimer's autobiography, which is very good, and also Wes Anderson's Asteroid City I went to see um, on the big screen, which is all right if you like Wes Anderson, but if you're not a fan, I would avoid it <laughs> completely. Um, yeah, this is what I've been hearing, and I do hmm. want to go and see it, but I think I want to go and see it only because it's beautiful (laughs) and not because I'm particularly into Wes Anderson. Probably his star is cast that he's worked with, but I thought the real stars were the younger actors who were in it, the the kid actors. So, um, and it is, it's, it's his most meta film as well. It's sort of, you know, several stories going on at the same time. And I don't think it completely worked, but I still enjoyed it. If you like that aesthetic, then you'll like uh, Asteroid City. I'm going to go to Dawn. She has a list of shows that she's been watching, obviously giving her a week off is a lot to to watch. (laughs) And I bet bet there's something that I adore that's on Dawn's list. Over to you, Dawn. Yeah, it gave me a chance to kind of catch up a bit. So I finished a couple of shows that we uh, talked about on the podcast, including What Pauline Isn't Telling You, the French murder 
courtroom drama, which I really, really enjoyed to the end. I thought that was fantastic, and I didn't guess the outcome. But I also continued with Poker Face, which I finished, which is my new obsession, completely in love with it. And Deadlock, one more episode of that to go. One of my friends in America is completely obsessed with it, so we keep messaging each other with theories. We know who we think did it. And um, I suspect what a series they're referring to is uh, The Change by uh, Bridget Christie. Uh, When we reviewed it, I said I wasn't sure when I started watching it how I felt about it, but as I started watching more of it, I completely fell in love with it. And I finished it last night. And it is just sublime and so original and feminist, not in the usual feminist way, and mm. such, in a way that's so connected to Earth and the world and talking about all this kind of old English folklore stuff, which I found a really interesting way into it. I, I highly recommend it. It's, I think it is a good one to binge, if you, you know, because I don't think the first episode sells it brilliantly. But once you get past the first episode, it's really good. Uh, I also have been watching Wonders of the World I Can't See with Kristen Cosland, the uh, blind comedian, where he goes to Wonders of the World uh, with another comedian. And it is really it's a phrase to use, eye-opening. Um, but it's you know so interesting to, to hear his perspective of he's not interested in going to these places because he can't see them. And having the other comedian with him try and give him a good experience uh harry hill was fantastic at it tom allen not so much he was in the coliseum and there's you know they got access to the coliseum and he's saying oh it's amazing and then he's like oh we've, we've got a, a model of it to help you feel it and chris mccoslin takes him out and goes oh it's round <laughs> you never said it was round so you know the most basic thing it didn't oh yeah no i never mentioned that part there's a lot of these now, you know, your travel man and Sandy Toxvik and all these two comedians together. But I, I think Chris McCausland is a different kind of person there because he's not studied. He's not trying to present a certain style or, you know, he's just being himself. And a lot of it is, eh, it's all right. But, you know, he's being very honest, which I really like. And I also watched a documentary on Prime which a lot of people I saw online watching called Shiny Happy People which is about the Duggar family um, and well it's not about them it is about the religion they follow the branch of religion IBLP I believe it's called and the the man behind it and how it leads to basically so many of the men involved in it being predators and the abuse of children and everything. It's not a fun watch, but it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I really enjoyed it. I've always been slightly obsessed with the Duggars uh, in a, in that negative kind of way, thinking, what a, what's going on there? Um, so um, I, I found it really fascinating. And it's only four episodes. So if you like that kind of, um, lifting the lid on religion and after all the true crime things we've watched on this where they all belong to a church, you can see the connection of why there's so many of these murders and um, families and sleeping with each other and all that kind of stuff, you can sort of see the origins of it. I agree with you 110% about the change don't think I particularly get on with Bridget Christie's sort of comedy where I've seen her before but immediately I was like, oh, this is so smart. Almost immediately from the conversation that where she's being overlooked and not listened to by her friend, I was like, 
this is this is like not something I've ever seen on TV before. And somebody said it was sort of like feminist kind of weird, absurd detectorists. And I was like, I see that. And that is a good thing. Um, also, Poker Face, watched and loved. It feels like something that I could even watch a second time because it was so deep and interesting mm. and multi-layered and all the little details in it. As Matt knows, certainly, I never watch anything a second time. So that is high praise. Uh, Sarah, do you want to remind people where they can find you, seeing as we haven't heard from you in a while? Until it's death knell, I will be on Twitter, <laughs> at Sarah Hamstera. Um, and then um, if you want to read a bit more of what I actually write, um, that's over at whynow.co.uk. I do a podcast called The Custard TV Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's not, it's not my fault. It's just one of those things. Uh, yeah, we're still on hiatus, but you can find out our old stuff on um, uh, YouTube. We're, we're the Shipyard UST, where we talk about romantic relationships uh that are um well they won't these and you know slow burns and stuff so there's a lot of, of moonlighting and Dempsey mate piece Remington Steel um Miranda uh which I will be mentioning later on uh and uh yeah you can find us on uh, the shipyard USD on Twitter and all your podcast places and I am Don Glenn too on Twitter um where you can see me occasionally ranting about well everything really <laughs> Up on the Custard TV at the moment, we've got um, a review of De- the aforementioned Deadlock by the author- aforementioned Dawn Glenn. Tyler has written a review of the full season six of Black Mirror. Luke has also got a um, best shows of 2023 so far, if you'd sort of like to make a list, that Dawn has also contributed to as well. So, yeah, that's there, as well as our sort of coming soon stuff. Uh, TV This Week uh, is always being updated by myself. Uh, you can find us um, several places at Luke Custard TV uh, for Luke. I am at Matt TV Bytes, podcast at Custard TV Pod. You can find us um, on Instagram. It's the Custard TV. Please follow us there because Dawn works very hard updating it. Search the Custard TV on Facebook or you can email us Custard TV Reviews at gmail.com uh first up this week then we have um champion which is a new uh drama on saturday nights uh set in the world of hip-hop um and uh sarah i believe is going to run us through this one yeah because i'm ideally suited (laughs) mcsk as we call you (laughs) mc hamster um in the south birmingham badlands so do you remember, I think it was 2019 and everybody was talking about this book about a black girl in London and, you know, her life and everything. And it was presented in such an unusual way. It became kind of a publishing phenomenon. Uh, that book was Queenie and it was by Candice Carty-Williams. Um, and Champion is her first uh, thing she's written for TV. Um, so, yeah, she won. She was the first black woman to win Book of the Year. Um, so she's a big deal. Um, And it's exciting that something that she has written is on TV. Also, um, this comes from quite a pedigree um, because Malcolm Camelette, I'm going to go with, from Top Boy, um, is uh, one of our leads here, uh, Bosco. Newcomer Deja J. Bowens is his sister Vita. And their relationship, let's just say, it's complicated. Um, She is a very supportive but sort of quite jealous and overlooked sister. And Bosco is the diva of the family. He is back from two years in prison. 
he is back to doing what he loves. He's on stage. He is a superstar rapper from South London. Um, he's suffering anxiety attacks, but he's doing his best to be back to himself again. Um, we learn quite early on in this episode, um, in a bit of a clunky fashion, um, that Vita gave up her music career to be her brother's assistant. And she also writes lyrics for him as well. So basically, she is an overlooked dog's body. She's very talented herself, but she won't shoot her shot for some reason, which I wasn't particularly clear about why. I did find that, as you can tell from my accent... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't deal deal too well with a lot of the sort of slang that the younger people were using. I did put subtitles on. Bosco's birthday party, where we see a whole family and cast of friends. There's partners, there's ex-partners, there's secret boyfriends. Uh, they're all invited and we have no hope at all of figuring out who is who in the first episode. <laughs> so I've left it at that. But there is a sudden threat. The police come smashing through the back gates. Um, and they find a very flimsy reason to arrest Bosco again. And his mum goes absolutely nuts. She is fearsome. Um, and unsurprisingly, he gets arrested, but no further action taken. Um, I thought it was uh, great to see Dawn, um, who's his useless manager. And we've seen her as the useless parole officer from Back to Life. So Joe Martin really is the actor. Well, that's it. What I wanted to make quite a lot of was that Birmingham is standing in for South London. Um, excitingly, and very proud to say again that Birmingham's been used as the filming location for this place. Um, uh, Aria's Cafe is actually Emma's Pantry in Sally Oak, which is just up the hill from me. Uh, the owners were approached by the BBC. I think it's BBC and Netflix co-produced. Uh, they'd only just done a renovation and they were like, hi, can we paint your cafe bright yellow? <laughs> And they said yes. And they got um, another refurb done inside and out. And they've kept it as it is because they quite like it bright yellow. I don't think this is for me, but that's not to say that it's bad. I just don't think that there's anything here that's... It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. I personally can relate to, but other reviewers have highlighted how it gets British Caribbean families just right, right down to the fine details. Um, if you w watch another episode, you'll notice that the older characters drop in a lot of patois, um, whereas the younger characters don't. They're the sort of, you know, the, the street slang that I'm more familiar with. And also there's more credibility here because apparently the music is mainly original compositions. I wasn't that bothered about the characters, generally speaking, until Vita finally gets her fire back and we leave episode one on the excellent cliffhanger, champion versus champion. But I'm all for more representation and more diversity on primetime TV. And of course, it's got this Netflix pickup for international rights, so it could do very well indeed. In agreement with you there, you know, it's great to see this, especially on a Saturday night, which is, it seems a bit odd. It seems like this is the not normally the sort of thing that would be tucked away on BBC Three. 
and available on the iPlayer. I'm thinking of of Mood, which Dawn enjoyed last year, and and won, I believe, the drama best drama series at the uh, at the BAFTA Awards. Even though obviously it's got a modern tinge to it in the in the world in which it's set, it does feel like the tropes in this are very well worn. You know, sibling rivalry. The one sibling is the one who is the more talented, but is hiding in the background. It's it it normally is brothers rather than a brother and a sister, which is sort of I suppose the twist here. It feels very authentic. I think. It's an odd show for three white people in their 40s to be talking about as well. Any of us got a particular love of rap music? Beyond 21 seconds? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I I think the performance from Deja J. Bowens as Vita, I thought she was really good as the centre of this world. Um, it was good to see like actors like Ray Fearon, who plays the dad, Nadine Marshall, as you said, the the ferocious mother, who again, I mean, it was very tropey. Everyone was just on Vita's case the entire time. You know, she was like the Cinderella in this family almost, wasn't she? she was. so, yeah. There wasn't a lot of subtlety to this, I don't think. I think, you know, there there wasn't shades of grey. You knew who you had, who you liked and who you didn't. And then... Obviously, she goes away and works with his rival by the end as well. Again, like Sarah, don't think I'll be watching any more. And I just think it's a bit of an odd fit on a Saturday night. Casualty will be the lead in for this. Yeah, it came <laughs> in hard after a load of quiz shows, Casualty, and then this. And I was like, <laughs> have they put this on the right channel? I mean, even BBC Two feels slightly mm. more correct a fit, but... They have their music nights on BBC Two as well on a Saturday night, which seems even yeah. more ideal. So, yeah, but I th- I'm hoping this finds an audience because it deserves to. But I, I don't think we are the right audience for it. Dawn, though, obviously, you know, is the, the hip hop aficionado. So we'll go over to her. No, I agree with everything. I think the best part of it is is this story about um, Bosco's mental health and his anxiety attacks. And I think... That's something that isn't explored enough in any genre, but especially for young black um, British men. You know, the this the masculinity, the bravado, especially in the world of, of music that you've the got. The puffer jackets, the armour. You can't be vulnerable, can you? No, exactly. They have to have be on there. And there's a there's a scene at the end of the, the first episode where uh, Vita's written him some lyrics which are about you know what's going on in his head and he's like I'm not doing that I'm not getting emotional you know he doesn't want to reveal what's going on and I think that is a really interesting and not heavily mined area that that could go on I, I agree I didn't understand why Vita has been in this position so long that she's given up her own ambitions and and why she's so much of a cinderella there isn't an obvious explanation for that it just seems seems like why is everybody so horrible to her and just treating her like she's nothing and and she's you know talented and doing she's desperate to become his manager she wants to be his manager and he keeps putting her off and sticking with dawn who's useless you know that's obviously her sort of trying to show ambition but i don't know why she's gone down that 
lean and why she's given up so much and even why he was in prison I think they, they said it was for um, possession but again that's not really been explained so I don't know maybe further down the line there is more about their past and how they got to that place but it, yeah it's not for me I'm not this target audience but I think for what it is is it's watchable and uh, the performances are great Deja Jane Bowens is really charismatic she's really sparkles on uh, on screen so I, I definitely think she'll go far with this champion uh that is all on the iPlayer now uh or on Saturday nights another um drama with a lot of people in it <laughs> is hijack this is on Apple TV plus created by George K and Jim field Smith who bought us Lupin criminal um, Litvinenko most recently and uh, Dawn will be running us through this one I'm not going to name everyone just so you know <laughs> um, who's in row B seat 7 <laughs> that's it yes if you're one of those kind of people who likes to uh, take notes on a you know a, a, a whodunit or whatever this is a good one to have a nice uh, print out of a plane and write everybody's name in, in their seat because there is a lot of characters and it is very confusing very quickly but we're talking about something which is essentially a die hard in the air our, our lead is uh, Idris Elba, who appears to be playing Idris Elba. <laughs> Every time I saw the advert, I thought it was one of these adverts where Idris Elba was being himself. But no. Oh, he's doing a lot of travel adverts. Yeah, I was thinking that. So this that. fits in neatly, doesn't it? Sitting there in his, in his business class seat. Is it Hotels.com he does? That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's looking straight at the camera and I'm like, this is just Idris Elba, isn't it? Oh, no, it's not. Okay, he's, he's, he's playing a character here. He's playing Sam Nell who is getting a flight from Dubai to London along with many other people um, as he's going into the plane there's a man who rushes through security who is waved through security by a woman Neela we find her name she uh, lets him through at, but the other lady at the gate says no no the gate's closed but Idris Elba who's just sauntered on through says no no let him through how bad could it be obviously um, quite bad so when they get on the plane, there we get to know a little bit, a little few, few of the, the passengers. There is no nun with a guitar, so that's disappointing. Uh, but there is a team of young athletes, I think they are. There's three, three young uh, black British girls. And one of them goes to the toilet. And when she's there, she sees something on the floor and comes back and asks, kindly gentleman cockney gentleman in a loud shirt it's like oh, all right darling what what have you found what's wrong turns out she has found a bullet in the bathroom and that is alerting us that something is wrong and this kindly gentleman is not kindly uh he is part of a team who are planning to hijack the plane uh there's at least five of them i couldn't there might be more uh spread through the plane and they are we're planning to take it over later in the the flight but because she has found the uh, bullet they can't delay it and so they immediately almost immediately hijack the plane there are people who want to immediately fight them there are people who are um discussing with each other what's going on and but Idris Elba is cool calm and collected and we discover he in his real life job is a negotiator he works for businesses to negotiate deals. So he immediately gets a read on people and wants to um, 
get this uh, a full picture of the situation. Uh, their first act is getting a, a, a stewardess who it turns out has been having an affair with the captain, Robin Allen, and the hijackers know this and they know great details about it and they use this uh, relationship to gain access to the cockpit. So they take the the captain out. He's beats it was not beat to death but he beats his co-pilot uh because in order to save his 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 girlfriend's life he's a married man and he's sleeping with her so there's all these complicated relationships poor neela the um security woman who sent them through gets a phone call she has to go home clearly someone has her husband and child so this is a huge Thing. This is not just two guys on a plane for the moment. This is a huge operation. There is a female, there is um, several men. They all seem to be British. We don't know what their reasoning is. We don't know what they want. They seem to want the flight to go to Heathrow, as is originally planned. They're not diverting it. And at the end of the episode, Sam... Uh, we think, oh, he's going to be the big hero, he's going to be the John McClane, but no, he eventually says to them, I want to help you, because all I want to do is get home. Because like John McClane, he has an estranged wife who and a son, and his wife is now with uh, Max Beasley, who is a de- conveniently is a detective. And there's going to be a lot of people, there's not, all the cast is not in the first episode. I watched the first two episodes. Of- As did we all, I believe. Which which are available now, so I suppose we can discuss episode two as well if you want, Dawn. Yeah, so I mean, we we, Eve Miles is a a British air traffic control operator who gets involved because the the pilot is very quickly able to say uh, there's a problem, you know, he's, he's being hijacked. However, once they get into the cockpit, they hold a gun to his head and make him say, no, 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 it was a false alarm. And Dubai largely accepts that, except for one man, uh, Abdullah, who doesn't trust it and investigates it to his peril. And uh, in, meanwhile, in Britain, Eve Miles is like, I don't trust this. I think there's something going on. And they call up the flight path and discover that the flight has taken a detour, but only by three degrees. And this is because Sam had contacted the pilot through their interplane game uh, and got him to get back into the cockpit and do this so that it alerted the ground but didn't alert the hijackers that they'd done something. And Sam also managed to get a text to his wife before they shut off Wi-Fi. So she is alerted to something, but again, they just brush it off. Uh, Max Beasley contacts um, a connection of theirs in Homeland Security who says, no, no, it's fine. But obviously, all of these people are eventually going to realise it is something bad it's very high high tension i was like i watched it last thing at night and i was like oh i shouldn't have done that (laughs) you know it is basically your your die hard or your snakes on a plane maybe (laughs) or a similar (laughs) not much difference between those two shows but um a similar kind of of thing but instead of being a film it's over is it 10 episodes eight episodes i can't remember i think uh, the one thing you missed out on as well, Dawn, is it's what? real time as well. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what a good reviewer I am. Because <laughs> I think it's either seven or eight episodes because they make a point, if you notice, they make a point of telling it's a seven-hour flight. Oh. 
this is when we're oh. hitting this place. But yeah. when are we getting to Baghdad airspace? It's gone so wrong in hour one. How will we deal? How will you deal with it for the next six hours? Right, I'm going to go back and watch it. Now. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think they made it very noticeable, honestly, but it's just in the bump that I've read about it already. It's one of the sort of like um, making it feel a bit like 24, I suppose, mm. is what they wanted yeah. to do. Yeah, well, it's that it's that tension as well, isn't it? You're getting that tension because of it being in real time. You are there with the characters experiencing it. This has happened way earlier than they wanted it to happen because of the girl finding the bullet in the toilet as well. Yeah. There is a lot going on there, as you said. So you, you're, you're excused for... Thank you. <laughs> Don't fire me, please. And there's also Archie Punjabi's character as well, who's Max yeah. Beasley's ex-girlfriend, who works for counter-terrorism. It's interesting because I wanted to tweet the other day, but I couldn't um, <laughs> for Twitter reasons. I just wanted... Something kind of dumb to watch where I could be like half involved in what's happening on TV and half involved in a stupid game on my phone. And this was it. Hurrah, we found it. (laughs) And it's kind of dumb in that action movie kind of way. So maybe it's a bit cruel to say that it's dumb because it's well plotted for sure. But just something big and silly and where people are going to get smashed on the head with the back of a gun, you know. Sometimes you need that in your life. Um, and I rarely watch action films because I don't really, I'm not really into them. But this, because of the ticking clock, I think, and because we don't know yet know why the plane has been hijacked, there's that nice bit of tension. And I, I didn't hate it, although, my God, especially in the first episode, it is pistol whipping you with what's going to happen. Someone is reading Matt Haig's How to Stay Alive book. Someone else is drinking a carton of a drink or whatever that says, let's shake it up. There are so many little things dotted what, around. What oh, was yeah, the song the Eve, Eve Miles was listening to in episode two that then they played over the... When Empress. Will I See You Again? Yes. Um, <laughs> and of course, the message from Sam's wife saying, do not get on that plane. It's not subtle. And I did think it was a neat way to introduce quite a lot of your cast because the captain has to introduce his crew like you do when you get on a flight. I wrote down a question to myself and I answered it 10 minutes afterwards. (laughs) Who is the main bad guy? And then I wrote, is that Neil Maskell? Mm. It is Neil Maskell. I love this for him. And now I see why, because we all said how brilliant he was in Nitvinenko because of what you said at the top of this piece, makes perfect sense. We all wanted to see him in something where he had more screen time, where he got to, you know, exercise his, like, proper acting. And maybe (laughs) this is it for him, and I'm so pleased for him. Oh, and the one thing that I wholly approve of what the hijackers did, wholly on their side, was when the guy took the loud electronic devices away from the small children. (laughs) He just wants to play Mario Kart. Uh, horrible little kids horrible wife surely they could have put him on the uh the pirate game that that is (laughs) of course it was a pirate game it's just it's just too funny in places it is extremely funny um unfortunately though um we see idris is unarmed because he's not actually in the security services or the police or anything like he usually is so i wrote down Unfortunately, it's going to take him the full six hours to get out of this predicament. <laughs> He's also got the most generic character name. Sam Nelson just feels Hasn't like. He? 
it feels like a cover. Maybe he is Secret Services. <laughs> I think from what you're saying as well, Sarah, there's the comedic elements in it. I think they're they're fully in on the joke, Jim Field Smith and George Kay. They've both got Oh definitely. A, they've both got a background in comedy. I mean, we way back about ten years ago now, we interviewed Jim Field Smith for uh, he directed the wrong man's, if you remember that, with oh, yes. James Corden and Matt Bainton. This, well, this is like the perfect sort of offspring then, isn't mm. it? Yeah. And they also their first thing together do you remember Stag? which was... I loved Stag. It was brilliant. So that was their first collaboration. Apparently they went to school really? together, these two guys, and their first collaboration. That was their first collaboration. Yeah. How yeah. very dare they? <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously like they've done something... I mean, I loved Lupin, which was similarly sort of far-fetched, but just really yeah. gripping, which I found this mm-hmm. to be as well. As you got on and, you know, you were trying to work out, well, who's the bad in here? Because... Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Discover, this is Daniela. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just want to thank you for making me feel so special. I earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries. That's great. But with Discover Cashback Debit, we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases. Anything else I can help you with? Do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet? I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to Discover. Eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. You, from the title, you know the plane is going to get hijacked. So. Yeah. <laughs> and there's all these like little looks between people. And obviously, as you say, you've got the clearly a ex-Destend villain gangster guy who, you know. <laughs> I you quite liked Marcus when he was being nice. <laughs> was um, being... I did think, though, that the, the three girls who I think because of their logo are like hockey players. Mm. I wondered whether like it might end up getting a bit yeah. cannibal. Yeah, I was thinking yellow jackets as well. <laughs> Red hoodies instead of yellow jackets. Yeah. I was really gripped to the extent and I certainly with the sort of the non half hour shows, I don't always go on to the second episodes. I felt like I had to because I was so gripped by it and it you was know such a cracking cliffhanger. Again mm. at the end of episode two, you know, mm. you just can't it's absolutely irresistible. And the fact that then Apple will make people wait because they do like two or three and then one a week that this is going to be excruciating for them. And I think a lot of people now are used to the Netflix model of watching this mm. all in a weekend. But that's well, how TV is meant to be. Back in the day, kids, yeah. when we were watching 24 on BBC mm-hmm. Two. Got to wait a week. <laughs> had to avoid spoilers from America because they'd probably had it for two years before yeah. it came over to us. <laughs> Yeah, so count yourselves lucky. <laughs> yeah, don't know what it was like. As you say, Neil Maskell, fantastic. I would have liked him to have played his Utopia character here, which was another unsettling villain role. He's a lot more, I suppose, cool, calm and collected, but at the same time not because his plan has already gone horribly wrong. I just don't understand how they were surprised when the plane left... Dubai airspace and went into Iraq airspace Mm. and they were like oh yeah it's all right the pilot can sit back there we don't need him in the cockpit for this 
there's going to be a call between those two sites yeah. going, hello, you're in our airspace now. Everything OK? Obviously, with a little bit more code than that. But that's basically <laughs> what it means. Who had let the bullet off in the who who was that who let the bullet off in the toilet? Was that someone ben. we know how that got there to begin with? Because that's well, something ben. I was thinking. Yeah, it was the woman hijacker had came out the toilet before the girl went in. Ah. So, oh yeah, presumably, and she'd taken her green wash bag with her, so she was obviously getting her gun ready, and it just dropped, her. dropped out of the. That's clip. why here, you know, you can see things that the, <laughs> the rest of us obviously weren't paying that much attention to. And I like the fact that you've got these people on the ground, and and I think you feel like these are people who have got full lives that you're just dropping into. So you've got. Sam, um, his relationship with his ex-wife and his son, and obviously this new family that they're trying with Max Beasley, then his ex-partner is Archie Panjabi. Her storyline in the second episode when we meet her is she really struggling to get to work. That's it. <laughs> so I like, oh, yeah. I like those. Having li- the journey from hell. Exactly. There you go. Every 10 minutes there's going to be a joke like that. Really bad for the the young lad in Dubai, the only one who was paying any attention, the air traffic controller there. Mm. In two episodes, I think we got to know him a little bit. He was going to go for lobster because it was his birthday. He was going to take his girlfriend out. And he he meets a a cleaner, let's say, at the end of episode (laughs) two. And and nothing goes right for him. I just thought that was quite nice. And it was also that it wasn't like post 9-11, the... Arabic guys are always the bad guys. Well, mm. he wasn't. He was being the good guy and, you know, got punished for it. And and the way that they undermined the fact that one of the hijackers is speaking Arabic. And the Yeah, that was gammon- very realistic that the old sort of like, I suppose you would call them gammon, wouldn't you? Yeah. These <laughs> just going to use the exact word. <laughs> of course, it's a bilingual, uh, multi-ethnic um, hijack team. Of course it is. Because it would have to be. And they're like, no, they're going to crash the plane into something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In the first two hours of anything else about a plane hack- hijacking, we would know why. Mm. And that's kind of like a um, really interesting mystery at the moment is why they've done it. And they don't seem to be at all worried that, I mean, he throws fine. Maybe they just couldn't afford a ticket. They'd spent their money on guns. <laughs> and I like the fact that we're focusing now on, you know, the British air traffic control and... The Eve Miles character who is like this initially presented as this really scatty woman who can't get to work on time, can't get her son out of the house on time. But then suddenly when she's in work, she sort of kicks into gear and is the sort of the smartest person in the room in a way. I like the sort of like flipping your expectations a little bit. And, you know, the way they've created all these like little like these minor characters on the plane, you know, you've got I don't know how like 200 odd people in that plane and at any point someone could sort of jump out you know there's like the american woman that they move to yeah who's in a wig who just makes me think that's suspicious but she's probably just wearing a wig because it looks nice but because i'm i'm like i can't stop sort of theorizing now you know oh i bet i bet she's a plant she's got something to do with the gang you (laughs) would assume that there's an inside person in where eve miles works as well that would be my assumption if they've got people in dubai if they've yeah. kidnapped your family um, because you're a useful part of like the cog in an airport, then yeah, it, that won't be the only place where they've done it. You have to feel as well that Sam's kid might be in danger by the end. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. 
Uh, Dawn, sorry, we've neglected you here. Go oh, on. Okay. No, I, I, I was really engrossed with it. I thought it was really exciting. And what, what you're saying about Eve Miles, I, I liked that in the, you know, the second episode with her son. She's used the same excuse twice and he spots out for, for why she's late for work. And he says, you've used that twice. And she's like, oh, and if that happens, what do you say? Oh, yeah, something dodgy's going on. And that's how she figures out that there's something going on with the plane because they've had two calls and they said there was something wrong and then they said there was something wrong and neither both of them are saying it was a false alarm isn't that weird that it's it's come from two different sources because it came from air traffic control and it came from uh, Archie Punjabi's character so uh, I like that connection to her you know her home life fed into how she came up with this hang on there's something else what I liked about the hijackers is they seem to care a bit because after they hit the two gammon the female hijacker says get ice for them because you know for their injuries so it's like oh they don't want to just randomly hurt i thought they were gonna like waterboard them. <laughs> <laughs> me too i was like never way to waterboard people so I maybe we are maybe we are sickos maybe we have to look at maybe that. we're the hijackers <laughs> maybe we are <laughs> Yeah, and Idris Elba is Idris Elba. What can you say about him? He's, he is him. He just, he's, it's not the right um, environment for him to wear his big uh, Luther coat, though, so that is disappointing. He can't, he can't swish about in his coat. He can't um, swish about. There's no swishing capacity, <laughs> even in business class. Someone <laughs> said on Twitter that this was his audition for James Bond, but it feels more like it's his audition for like those Liam Neeson films. Yeah. His wife basically said at one point that he's got a very special set of skills, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not very James yeah. Bondy at this point. It's not hugely, you know, action and fighting. It's a lot of mental tension mm. rather than, except mm. for Abdullah. I would literally sit out loud went, no! And Me too. I was like, don't, don't go in there. Why would you do that? <laughs> And then you're greeted with two British men in uh, basically hazmat suits. Don't carry on. What are you doing? Yeah. Steve, That's, Steve. That is, yeah. Oh, maybe he was a bit naive, bless him. He was. He was very pretty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's, lots, there's lots going on that, you you know, you can connect to. And then there's the poor nervous fire who's getting pills from someone. That's a bit. Oh, yeah. The, the young lad who's got like a whole yeah. bottle trying to give them away. I mean, thanks, but also, what's your job? <laughs> you were a drug dealer. And her husband's the vicar. Um, yeah. So there is lot of stuff that's obviously, to fill these hours, it's not just hijacker versus Nelson. I do hope that we don't go into flashbacks, though, because that's going to be lost, isn't it? Nobody needs that. No, but if they're sticking to the real time, then hopefully the, you know, there won't be any room for that. The two guys behind it ha- are quite good at sort of subverting these genres, you know, as we've gone through the different shows. They've- I don't know, do either of you remember Criminal, which was the thing where they did, it was a Netflix drama, it was all set in the... Good uh, Lord, they've done everything that I like. The, everything. Do you remember that one with David Tennant in the... So brilliant. And then there was like a French one and a German one yeah. and I lapped them all up. Oh, so smart. So, so Sarah accidentally likes all their stuff. I do. <laughs> can I please retract my initial comment that it's dumb? It's obviously like the adverts have presented it as 
dumb action stuff but obviously there's way more layers to it than that and i think all the humor is intended as well all the tongue-in-cheekness is like you know they know what they're doing these guys but yeah i think and i'm i think actually i was surprised at how much i liked it i think as you said the way it was advertised was very different to the way i felt yeah the way it was advertised was very pew pew it was it was die hard yeah yeah i never go on to a second episode especially not of an action thriller it was Mm. brilliant (laughs) as soon as i watched the first one i was like what happens next and i'm gutted that i can't look at episodes three and four that later on this afternoon so yeah so that's hijack and as we said the first two episodes now on apple tv plus and new episodes weekly on a wednesday i believe Next up, then, uh, we have Ruby Speaking. This is a sitcom. It's uh, co-written by and stars Jade Adams as the titular Ruby. She's recently single, works at a call centre for a, I believe it was like a telecommunications firm called Hellocom. We learn early on that Ruby's excellent at connecting with the customers, has sort of very genuine conversations with them. But her problem is that she can't upsell any of the products to them and is bottom of the sort of sales board at at the office. Catherine Kelly coming in as Vicky, the sort of blue sky thinking area manager who any of us who've worked in retail have have met a Vicky. She basically calls Ruby in to say, you know, you've been late all these times. Your sales figures are horrendous. And if you don't make a sale by the end of the day, then we're going to let you go. Uh, We've got Ruby's line manager, Mark, who's played by Sam Swainsbury of Mumfane. Um, He's there trying, you know, trying to help her keep her job, takes her to the training person to try and get some more skills. And it's basically a, you know, last call at the end of the day. Is she going to make the sale or not? Is she going to keep her job or not? But the lack of jeopardy is there because, you know, we've got a six part series set in a call centre. So I think you know what's going to happen. I will go first to Sarah because Sarah is a massive Jade Adams fan. Um, I am. I think she's the most wonderful person. Gosh, that's a difficult question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What I wrote down was there's depressingly little to like in the first episode. And I am such a fan of her stand up. I think she's brilliant. I see her on every tour that I possibly can. And several times now, we've had big hugs and she is the best hugger. Let me just preface everything I'm going to say with that. (laughs) I do feel for Ruby. She doesn't like her job. She thinks she's a lost cause. She's in the wrong job because she is really good at connecting warmly with her customers. I do like how she can actually visualise. You see her customer standing in front of her as she's talking to them. And she's counselling lonely Clinton. She's empathetic and she wants to help people. But because of that, she can't stick to the script because it's not about sales. It's about looking after people. Otherwise, I think that the characters, especially in episode one, were extremely bland. And that's really disappointing because I've worked in call centres. They are staffed entirely by big characters. (laughs) You can't be a small character in a call centre. Um, I did quite like the training manager. She only she stood out to me just because she's the one who goes around calling everyone bitches like it's a gender neutral term of endearment. And I'm like, oh, God, I think I do that. So going to knock that one on the head. Jackie, the manager, makes my flesh crawl. She does a very good job because, yeah, everyone's met a Jackie and they're awful to work with. And then there's this thing that keeps coming back to that 
the call centre are really into mental health. Um, and so one thing that they're trying to push is a choir that everyone like is bullied into joining. And this seems extremely forced because anyone who knows anything about Jade Adams knows that she is a classically trained opera singer, among many other things. And former so, Adele tribute act mm, as well. It feels like this episode it was just building up to hearing her sing and we didn't. <laughs> it just seemed like a bit of a... a I've written that down moment. as a note. Jade Adams is going to sing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, if you're going to push it that hard and play into it, go for it 100% against my better nature no actually I retract that because comedy needs a good few episodes to get going and I always say that but I never abide by it I'm always like oh that sucked and leave it you've got to give comedy more of a chance to grow than drama because the episodes are shorter and there was such a big laugh in the first few moments of episode two I was like oh well (laughs) I'm sticking around um it was Craig, the horrible security guard, he's horrible. He's so creepy. He's just a classic skinny boy, like macho security guard. He overhears someone use the word bitches because of the training manager. And he turns to him and says, you've got to stop normalising misogyny. (laughs) And I fell about laughing and I was like, I'm sticking around. okay?" so I'm happy to tell you that it does settle down a bit in episode two. There's quite a funny main storyline. Ruby becomes the victim of her own success with a flirty character that she puts on to get sales. Even though it's quite clear that elements of that team dislike each other intensely, i.e. Jackie, they work together to defeat a common enemy. um, And it's quite feminist and it's a bit preachy, but they take down this very sort of lechy entitled man. Some singing does occur at the end of episode two with a a safety tip about singing Bananarama when you're walking home alone at night. The relationships deepen, the characters broaden, they get a bit more time um, and it just becomes more fun. Yeah, I think in like a span of 22 minutes, it's hard, you know, especially with like a workplace sitcom to introduce everyone and sort of make you empathise with your lead. I didn't go on to the second episode, but I want to ask Dawn... A, how many did you watch? And B, I'm guessing this is your Miranda comparison here. <laughs> yes, it is. I watched uh, three episodes. Or was it four? I can't remember. Three. <laughs> um, there is a ship in it. And, yeah, um, I was right. I wrote that down as well. A bit of a ship. Oh, all. yeah. That was like, <laughs> wee 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 alarms more went so, off right at More the so beginning. than the ones you thought would have ships in, yeah. like Significant Other and yeah. Platonic. This is very much, excuse me, a Miranda and Gary type ship with the Sam Swainsbury character, Mark. Uh, which is, And it is proof that the character can make you attractive or unattractive. Because when he was in Mum, he was just this gangly, annoying guy. He appears much more handsome in this. The only difference is he's got a bit of stubble, but, you know, because he's, he's much more, you know, he's more chilled and he's, you know, he's, he's quite a, a sweet kind of character. In the first episode, I, that was the only thing I went, oh, there's a ship and the, I like their chemistry together. I like their interactions. I thought, well, I'm going to watch on for that. But I agree, there wasn't much else. I thought, well, it was pleasant. That was it. By the time the second episode ended, when we get the, the Bananarama quince, I was like, ah, yeah, no, yeah, I get it now. It's good now. Um, it definitely improves dramatically in the second episode. At the end of the first episode, I thought I would happily watch Jade Adams' character 
just going about whatever. I really feel she is a really good presence and so warm and just enjoyable to watch. I felt it was a shame that everything else didn't match up to her level. But it does improve as it goes on. The character of Melons, who's the new girl, she develops a relationship with Craig, the, the security guard, and they're weird and quirky together. And I would like more of the secondary characters. That's the only thing I, I felt is that it felt very small because there's only, what is there, six characters or something like that? And, in a, and I understand it's post-COVID and it's ITV budget. <laughs> it would have felt nice if they did. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. At least show that there was other rooms. And, you know, and even when they do the choir, there's like three other characters in it. You know, they're like six people does not choir week. Other than that, I, it felt very small. But I did enjoy the characters. And I think it is one of these shows... And Miranda was exactly the same. I didn't connect with Miranda at first, but as it went on, I really fell in love with it. And I feel like this is the same. I hope they give it space and, and time for people to fall in love with it. And Because you, you feel connected to Ruby immediately, but the story isn't something that keeps you coming back for more. So I think if they, they need to put more into those those situations, like the second episode was really good, you know, this this storyline and the and this the the parts about the customers that she helps and you know how she wants to connect to them, that is really good too. So hopefully as it goes on, there's more of that. And I would say of all the ITV comedies, they've just been shunting out. Comedies back in the building, Dawn, as they yeah, keep telling yeah. us. Yeah. This is definitely the best of them. Yeah. Absolutely, I think that. I mean, I enjoyed Alan Carr's show, but that was largely just because of Alan Carr. Yeah. I feel this has the most potential to go on and be something long run if they get the writing just a bit sharper. And it's three writers as well. I wonder if that's part of it that, you know, because this is semi-based on, I believe, Jade Adams' own experiences working in a in a call centre and she's written it with two other people as well. I'm not sure that she needed the support. I mean, maybe because she's so busy, she needed a team, but perhaps it's more sort of writing by committee than it needs to be, mm. which works perfectly well for American sitcoms, but I don't think works necessarily with the British model I mean correct me if I'm wrong and also you've got to feel a little bit for her because unless you know her sort of um, stand-up stuff she's basically come from Alma's Not Normal to this Mm. and I don't think she was involved in the writing for Alma's Not Normal despite her being good friends with Sophie Willen yeah Um, I think that was Sophie Willen on the road you can't it's just so different 
in not in a good way. <laughs> but that was because Zalma's not normal was exceptional and it was a I think the first thing she's ever written and it won a BAFTA and then like several more awards after that so you're coming in hot and Mm -hmm. it would be very difficult to live up to those expectations I think. What I felt is that they've sort of toned her sort of personality down a little bit haven't they she's not playing Jade Adams Dawn you mentioned changing ends that is very much the Alan Carr story this is Jade Adams playing the character of Ruby and actually I thought she did well you know she didn't overpower the rest of yeah. the team you know she felt like a team player while also feeling like the center of this story i enjoyed this first episode that's all i've watched so far i would say it was fine as an establishing episode i felt like they gave you the measure of everybody it was very authentic to me as well having worked in retail as Sarah said she'd worked specifically in the call centre. I haven't, but I've worked for the post office for years where it's like when someone comes in to pay their phone bill, try and sell them broadband as well. That sort yeah. of thing. You know, I've met the like a, a, the Catherine Kelly character before. She's obviously like the antagonist here. She's moving into the office now to keep an eye on Ruby. I thought this was completely fine. I can see people, you know, going through this on ITVX of a day you know it's it feels like something you put on maybe on a saturday afternoon and watch all six episodes of but you know this feels like something again that's hidden away on itvx it hasn't it hasn't really had a lot of promotion as far as i can see i've seen a lot of promotion for changing ends some promotion for significant other even for count abdullah as well the the vampire thing that we didn't review because that was our week off but i i don't think i've seen a lot of promotion for this i don't know if you guys agree no i haven't no i mean it's just a shame really because as you say this is the one that has the most legs really and it should be promoted a bit more and i think we haven't had a good british comedy for a while i think black ops we enjoyed but apart from that you know we've been lurking in like queen of Oz, significant other territory uh for a while so um yeah definitely check this out time flies by fairly quickly and i think you know we all enjoyed it didn't we so ruby speaking and uh, now going on to something completely different <coughs> this is i'm a virgo this is on uh, prime video it's created by boots riley who i believe initially was a musician and a sort of transition now into film and tv he did a, a film a few years ago called sorry to bother you which was uh, very well received this show stars Jarell Jerome, who people might re- remember from When They See Us, which was the drama, Netflix drama from a few years ago, True Life Netflix drama. Here he stars as Cootie, who as a baby is born abnormally large, uh, abandoned by his mother and raised by his aunt and uncle. He eventually grows to be 13 foot tall. Basically, every time he stretches, he destroys part of the house that they live in to the extent that they construct like a purpose-built house for him to live in uh, but they decide to hide him from the outside world uh, due to their fears of what will happen to a 13-foot black man in america auntie later shows us that she's put a scrapbook together of what's happened to similarly large-sized black men over time you know there's someone like cootie in every generation but soon cootie learns that maybe he certain aspects of the outside world he's been lied to about there's a dispute over a burger that he really wants to eat that his uncle says is poison but then he learns that his uncle used to eat them himself so he breaks out 
make some new friends but also there's the the constant fear of what's going to happen to him is he going to be made into a freak is he going to get into trouble and that is sort of the basic outline of the first episode I'll go to Dawn first what did you make to this and did you how many did you watch Dawn because I only watched Uh, the first one no I watched two when there's shows like this that are very there's surreal elements and it's very artistic where we just end up feeling I'm just not clever enough for this. <laughs> I get the sense that it is very deep and very layered and saying very important things, but I, I don't know where they are. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just because, you know, I'm not a, a, a black American who has, you know, in the world with the post, you know, Black Lives Matters and, and police brutality and all that's going on there. So I don't think I fully appreciate everything about this. But that said, I found myself enjoying it more than I really thought I would because I was like oh this is just gonna be weird and rubbish but Gerard Jerome is really really good as a, as a as a lead the character is 19 when, sort of when this all takes place and there's parts of him you know he feels like a little boy because he's been shielded from everything and has such a sheltered upbringing and not exposed to much and his entire world is through television but at other times he's very aware of of the world and and what's going on there are elements of sci-fi in it like there's something to do with the, the end of the episode i want the second episode there was a reveal by his aunt and uncle and i was like are are the aliens i don't know what's going on <laughs> i don't quite follow this and working at the the bing bang burger shop is a woman who i think has super speed but i was like i don't know because we only ever saw it through his eyes and i'm like is it just him seeing that Apparently, this is a genre called Afro-surrealism. And if nothing else, it's made me go and read up about that. I didn't know anything about this genre of art. Donald uh, Glover's Atlanta is part of it and and, uh, Boots Riley's film. And this is something that's telling us uh, about the world through the the medium of myths, African myths and modern surrealism mixed together. And... For that, obviously, a very um, high merit, very deep understanding of, of what it is to be black from centuries old, this life, the slave labour and the, you know, everything that's come through to where they are now obviously plays a part in what the story is they're telling. And I, I thought that was really good when the aunt brings out the... the um scrapbook and we, we see you know there's been a tall black man in every generation for however long going back but they always end up becoming a freak show and you know they're murdered or whatever and obviously she fears that for for cootie um I, but there's also a storyline with the friends that he makes they're like political activists of some kind that we don't know but at the same time it's a kind of really sweet and seeing him experience things like going to a club for the first time and his experience of music and he's never heard bass before you get to in the, the car and that completely changes his life and the, the things he says about like music experiences you experience the world that makes you experience the sky and the ground at the same time and friends are like that because the friends make you help you experience yourself and the world at the same time and connect it so there's a there's really nice sweet stuff in it I expected it all just to be off the wall it is watchable as a just uh, an entertainment show but as I say I think there's 
a lot more to it that I'm not appreciating. But obviously somebody who is more educated in the world of after Freelum probably would. <laughs> Sarah, is that you? If you count the fact that I've watched Sorry to Bother You, then yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that his style was absurd, um, but also very deep, very political. And I really did like that film. It's about a black man in a call centre. Nice call back there. Um, <laughs> who puts on a white voice to be more successful at work and all the trouble it causes him. It's a really funny, strange take on identity and capitalism. So, yeah, this comes out of the blocks in exactly the same sort of way. I like the idea of a mum and dad being worried about their black son out in the world. That's got to resonate with everybody, hasn't it? And the reason here is because he's a freak and so unusual and scary looking. But everybody's black son will go through a phase, at least at some point, of people around him going, he's scary looking. Look at him with his friends at the bus stop. They're scary looking. Do you know what I mean? And it's just it's sort of heartbreaking, but also like really funny as well. I like how it's full of really strange subtleties and differences and contradictions and it undermines that whole thing of maybe sort of 20 30 years ago culture writers would talk about the black experience well there never has been the black experience we should never have talked about it like that I like how all of these writers and performers are grappling with like different aspects of it in ways that we've not seen before and there's so much to learn and there's so much to enjoy similarly with um, Champion as well you know like it's not the black British experience. They're talking about a particular generation who are interested in particular music and a particular home life, you know, and it's elements that people will understand and it will reflect in their lives, but not be them. But it's that representation again, isn't it? And then I wrote, I actually wrote down the same point that Dawn did. There's layers and layers of black cultural and social history here, which I am not qualified to comment on. So Cootie's really into like superhero comics. And there's one writer, I think in particular, who in this universe is also a superhero, I think, traveling yeah. around in the sky in like a sort of like robot outfit. And there's so many of these details that, you don't have to grab onto you can let them wash over you and it can mm. just be a weird show with strange things funny things happening like in the club and his neighbor's house is on stilts it's almost like watching anime there's rules there's characters there's tropes that are all weird and abstract and absurd and mystical to us and we won't get all of the jokes but at the same time it's fascinating because it is something completely different from what we've experienced growing up and, and from what we've seen on TV before. Yeah, it's definitely unique and it's definitely something I think that makes you sit up and pay attention to it. I don't think you can be doing something else while watching this, you know, it's or you'll miss something. You know, as you've said, Jarell Jerome is excellent. He plays this innocence of, you know, the, the person who's grown up completely indoors. You know, he's got this sort of juvenile nuts about him and he plays that so, so trusting yeah so trusting he takes what his aunt has said to it i can't remember the comment now she said something to him and he's taken it as face value rather than it being like a sort of a passing comment do you know what i mean i can't remember what it was now it's something about what police do to black people like a black person can't walk on the street oh, without... that's right yeah if you're unemployed and a black person then you can be arrested 
and yeah. his friends laugh because it's ridiculous and then they go actually it's very kind of true <laughs> yeah. so yeah I, and to echo what you've said i think you will get more out of it you know the black experience in in america and seen through the eyes of someone who is completely oblivious to what he would go through in the persecution that he might face i i thought it was an intriguing show I never felt really sort of invested in it. I just, you know, I, I thought this is unique. It's memorable, but I never sort of, it, it never grabbed me. And I don't, I don't think I'll be watching anymore. Do you guys, are you going to be watching on? I don't think I would. I think I, I'm not getting enough from it that I know is, is there. And I would have to do a lot of studying. To fully, to <laughs> it needs like it a director's commentary. Please, I would like that. And also I would like time to do a master's and then a PhD in whatever is going on here because it's got that much detail to it. I think it would reward study. But it is all there now on Prime Video should you want to check it out. It's definitely, as I say, it's a unique and memorable thing. You know, at the end of the year when I look back on the shows that we've covered, I will remember this even though, you know, we won't be going back to it. Uh, That's us done uh, for this week. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Uh, do you want to just quickly go over where we can find you guys um, online, specifically at the moment on Twitter? As of time of recording, yeah. which I feel like I said earlier in the year as well. <laughs> um, well, Twitter still exists. I am at Sarah Hamstera and I would be very pleased to talk telly with you. And Dawn, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me at Dawn Glenn 2 and uh, the shipyard is at Shipyard USC. I'm also on Instagram if you if Twitter is down, uh, which is Ikaloshu, I-K-K-L-E-O-S-U. You can catch me that way. If it's all goes to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> and See, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not pretty enough for Instagram, so mm, I don't really want to have to take I'm that seriously. Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too young for TikTok and I'm not pretty enough for Instagram. Where am I going to go, guys? I'm not going back to Facebook. When we were in London on Saturday, we saw someone actually doing a t- like a flash mob TikTok type thing at, while oh. we were sitting outside a cafe. They were just like, it's it's obviously just a th- an accepted thing people do in the street now, says the old man. I am at Matt's TV Bites um, on Twitter, Matt Donnelly one on Instagram. Again, if you'd like to follow me there. At Custard TV Pod is the podcast. At Luke Custard TV is the website. Uh, it's the Custard TV on Instagram, uh, the Custard TV on Facebook, and Custard TV Reviews at gmail.com is the uh, email address. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search the Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.